So uh, we are on the second of our Vision Sundays. And so last week we looked at uh, growing deeper. Ian, Ian talked about that. And Susie talked about nurturing uh, authentic kingdom community. So we're going to look at the four other ones um, today. So we're going to start with Dave, who's going to talk about reaching the lost, and then Ali on becoming a church for the community. So, Dave. Thanks, Andy. The uh, sign I've gotten old is that you need your water bottle because you have a dodgy throat. You need your glasses so you can see. You give me 10 minutes. This is it. Uh, so you, if I'm over 10 minutes, you can shout. I'm literally, I jo- I, I've struggled, I'll be honest. How do I struggle? Someone who's a heart for reaching the lost, reaching out to put 10 minutes into something and to share that with you. Just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But pressure's on. Here we go. This is going to be really fast. I apologize. Uh, I'm going to be looking here a lot of times because I don't want to waffle. I want to keep to our time because all these guys have lots of stuff to say. So here we go. Reaching the lost. Okay, first question. Oh, better press start. First question is, who are the lost? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, the word for perish or destroy in the Greek, the impress in the Greek, is apollonimai, which means to lose or to be lost. So John 3.16, that second part could be said, that whoever believes in him shall not be lost but have eternal life. Luke 19, 9 and 10 says, Jesus said to them, Today salvation has come to my house, because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The Bible presents the truth that mankind is lost, understanding what that means. To be lost and how it can be fixed is a difference between eternity with God or without God, heaven or hell. Where are the lost? The lost, I suggest, are everyday frontline places, whether it's schools, whether it's unis, sports clubs, workplaces, other towns, etc. And I put other towns in there deliberately because we aren't all from Ballinhenge. Some from St. Phil, some from Lisburn, some from Hillsborough, and so on. That's our everyday frontline place. But I put Ballinhenge Community in there because as a church in Ballinhenge, we need to care for the community of Ballinhenge, and lots of us are from Ballinhenge. So we need to support such things as the Edge, the Cap, the Hub, Prospects. Also put in shops here. What are, how's our reaction? We go into Carlisle to buy some milk. And the girl behind the counter takes her time talking to somebody or something. How are we reaching out? What about our neighbours, the people who live next door to us? All that, etc. We also want to realise the lost are globally. Whether it's Romania, Moldova, Honduras, UAE, Cambodia, which we heard Ashley talking about, USA, etc. Loads of places you all go to. Uh, and go on holiday. Even. When we're on holiday, do we take Jesus with us? Hmm. All we, need, we all need to be active in seeking the lost in our front lines in Balmahinch and globally. Some plans to help us reaching the lost. These are some plans and, and key sort of principles we have put down as leadership. We want to, I'm going to read through these and then I'm going to talk very, very briefly about them. We want to seek to recover an external, eternal perspective and Christian worldview amongst all of us. We want to equip the body to personally share our faith with others. We want to develop support and accountability within the fellowship. We want to provide opportunities for reaching out as individuals and corporate believers in Balmhinch and beyond. And we want the leadership to lead by example as we reach out together. Okay, so we need to have a, eternal perspectives. Colossians 3, 14. 
If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things of earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Set your minds on things above. Do we look through God's lens, God's eyes, as we reach people, as we meet with people? We need to have a Christian worldview. A Christian worldview is based on the fallible word of God, word of God in the Bible. It's when you believe the Bible is entirely true, then you allow it to be the foundation of everything. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. It's all you, uh, everything you say and do. It affects every area of your life, from money to morality and everything in between. The Bible never distinguishes between a religious and secular life. The Christian life is the only life there is. Jesus proclaimed himself the way, the truth, and the life, and that's in John 14. We want to equip the body to personally share our faith. We want to do some teaching and training on evangelism. How do you reach the ups and ins and the downs and outs? Sometimes when we think about reaching out, we're thinking about the person on the street or the person less fortunate than ourselves. What about the rich and famous? Have a, do you want to reach up to those guys as well? Jesus doesn't see money or, or poorness or rich or whatever that looks like. Jesus sees lost and found. We want to increase and develop more prayer for reaching the lost. How do we plan and create opportunities to share every day? Can we be more active in that? When converts start to come along, what's our, what's, our, what's our expectation of how church is going to change? So we meet somebody on the street who's been on drugs and maybe been on the street for the last week, who maybe doesn't smell that pleasantly. What happens when he comes in and sits beside us? How are we going to feel? Or the, or the drug addict who comes in and he's still half high and dope from struggling with getting off drugs. It's going to disrupt, but we have to be there. We want to be reaching out. Young people, you have a major role to play with your peers. When I've been looking at some of this stuff this week, I've discovered this interesting fact. Uh, I'm hoping it's true because I've tried to get it a couple of times and, and, and look at it, but 57% of people become Christians under the age of 20. You guys have a major role to play in your schools and your universities. love this quote from John MacArthur. You are the only Bible some believers will ever read. Just let that pause a minute. You're the only Bible some believers will ever read. Okay, so we want to develop support and accountability. Home groups, life groups can be good for sharing, supporting, reaching out to the lost. Susie talked about this last week a wee bit. Well, I listened to the podcast. I was out in Sunday school, but listened to the podcast about doing barbecue stuff together. How do we reach out as home groups to the, the people we're, we're connecting with? Can we connect with people? How do we do that better? Prayer cells, prayer triplets. When we meet together in those, do we pray for the lost? Or do we pray about our own needs and church needs? Prayer ministry. Put prayer ministry down because sometimes, sometimes maybe you're talking to somebody in work or you're chatting to some, somebody about something and maybe you just think, I could do a better prayer for that. But maybe you don't. Come forward and get some prayer ministry and say, listen guys, I'm struggling with this subject and work with this guy. I just need you to pray for me in that situation. Mentoring new believers in their faith. We need to start practicing that because do you believe the believer, new believers will come? We need to. Personal accountability. Use me or take me home. I've met a guy, I've been doing a course, and I've met a guy and became friends with this guy. His prayer used to be when he got up in the morning, use me, God, today. He prays these six words every night now. Use me or take me home. Come the morning time, he gets out of his bed and he wakes up, he goes, 
God's going to use me today. And he makes himself accountable to God. God, you've kept me alive to use me. And he makes sure he's used that day. Next night, use me or take me home. Are we accountable with God for what we're doing? I want to provide opportunities for each night. Space for, for grace, uh, which some of you may go and see, some of you are involved in. There's loads of possibilities. We haven't the program full. We, haven't, we don't want to create a program just for the sake of it. We want to have God in the middle of it. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I could use that, I could do something there, come talk to us. All the community services like CAP, Food <coughs> Hub, Food Bank, Fraser Meals, Edge of Streets, etc., all opportunities. Uh, at presently, there's an opportunity to sign up and volunteer at the Edge to help cook, clean, do DIY, street work, youth club. They need our help right at the minute. The member member stand held up our white sheet. Uh, we're going to bring that out again in a few weeks' time. Uh, we want to create joint initiatives in our community. It's not just about Grace Fellowship, it's about the other churches in the town. How do we reach Balnhenches churches together? What's that look like? Can we plan more effective strategy to reach the lost? A dream big question. I love to dream big. How long do you think it would take to reach Balnhench? For everyone to trust Jesus and follow him. Yeah, if God, God turned up in power, it could be instantly. But here, here's, a, here's a thought. What if each of us, 175 people roughly in this room, what if we led one person to the Lord this year? And what if we mentored that person? And then next year, that person and you led another person to the Lord. That doubles. Do you know how long it would take to save a population somewhere between five and a half and 6,000? That's Balnehinch, our community. Five years. Five years. Not long. And leadership, we want to lead by example. Nearly done, eight and a half minutes, I'm on, I'm on track. As leaders, we want to lead by example. We want to tell our experiences as we reach out. We don't want to ask you to go and volunteer at stuff that we wouldn't volunteer on. We want to lead by example. But that doesn't mean we have it sussed. By no way does that mean we have sussed. I look up to a lot of you guys, all of you guys. So I think want to encourage you to lead by example to those around you as you reach out. You guys are all leaders sitting there. Remember the, the John MacArthur thing? You're the Bible somebody reads. You're also the person that people look up to. Young people, guys who are in your school who are Christians are looking up to you, seeing what you're doing with your time, how you're reaching it. My prayer for each of us that we become God's story knowers, who become God's storytellers, who re rewrite the story within our communities with his story, all for the sake of building his kingdom in our everyday lives. 941.88. Okay, there's going to be a lot of information coming at you really fast today. Uh, I'm really stressed because I'm thinking of 10 minutes now. Um, becoming a church for the community. Um, the question is, uh, is that a biblical thing or is that just something we're coming up with? Could you do the wee flicker for me there, Sam? Is this something that is biblical or is it something that we just want to do, that we want to be a church for the community? Is that a nice sounding thing? What I want to do this morning is just outline the biblical reason for this and then say what we believe God has put in our hearts to do. So the next slide there, Sam. 
<clears throat> we hear a lot in the Bible, and Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God. The Bible, uh, right the way through Old and New Testament, talks about it. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And we use that language quite a bit, don't we? All for the kingdom, working for the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Uh, and now, again, this morning is not going to be all about that. But just to say this is something which is very much on God's heart and it's something I'm trying to understand a lot. I've been reading a lot about it. I'm not going to go through each of these. If you go to the next one, each of these things in turn. But, but some of the things that the Bible says about kingdom, what it understands is the kingdom has a king. Uh, there is a rule where, where, where the king rules and, and leads the people. There are a people in the Bible, the children of Israel, and in the New Testament, we are the people, the church. Then there's the law, or how do you live? In the Old Testament, there was the law that was, was laid out. And in the New Testament, we have the Sermon on the Mount about Jesus tells us how we should live. But there's also a land. And in the Old Testament, it was the promised land. But in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we think of the land, the, the land to come, the heaven that awaits us, where there's going to be no more uh, sorrow, there's no, going to be no more tears, and it's going to be an amazing place. No more crying, no more pain. Revelation says us the older things have passed away. But yet, the, uh, the Bible also talks in terms of the kingdom as being now and not yet. The not yet is, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He looked to a time when this is going to be amazing. This not yet, this, this place of kingdom. Don't lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and so forth and rust can destroy, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's the not yet. But there's also very much a now. And that's what we want to think about here right now. Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. And he told us, to pray, Father, your kingdom come. Because we live in a world with sickness. We were, live in a world with relationship breakup. We, we live in a world where there is death, where there is burden. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And there's an unfairness about life that some people have it much rougher than others. But he says, I've come to set the captive free. And you know what? It's not going to be perfect this side. But see the other side? It's going to be amazing. It's almost like when you break up from school in, at the end of June and you know you're going to Disneyland, Florida. It's fantastic because the burden has been broken up. We're on the 1st of July, two weeks away from going to Florida. The burden is gone. There's no homeworks. It's great, but I still have to tidy my room. I still have to do my chores. And it's not just amazing yet, but Florida's going to be fantastic. We're living in that 1st of July period, looking forward to a time when we see the injustice of this world and the stuff that sucks in life that's going to be disappeared. But yet, at the same time, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, and life in all its fullness. What does that mean? What does that look like? Too often, we live in the not yet part, and we maybe as evangelicals sometimes forget about the now, that Jesus has called us as his people to invade. What is the now place? The now place is here. And the now place is this earth that he calls us, your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done here on earth, here in Balna Hinch. We want your story to be written here in this land. We want it to be reclaimed back. 
We want the division that exists in this society, the suicide that exists in this society, the death, the illness, the unemployment, the debt. That's not right. It doesn't feel right because that's not the way the world's meant to be. And so we're called to be salt and light here and now. I remember years ago, I worked with a fella called Eddie. I won't, I won't tell you where, a good 20 years ago, um, because what I'm about to say is not that flattering. Eddie was a really smart guy. Uh, and Eddie was one of these guys that, he just, his diction wasn't great. He, he sort of had to listen carefully. He had a kind of lazy tongue. And he's one of these guys that had slabbers around the side of his mouth, that when he spoke, there was a kind of soak zone where you had to just sort of give yourself about a yard. But if you could get past that, he had a lot of wise things to say. He was a really smart guy as an engineer. And I remember somebody described Eddie to me really well one time. He said, that guy f speaks fluent washing machine. And I thought it really summed it up well. If you could just get past his fluent washing machine and hear what he was trying to say. And I thought that's a wee bit like sometimes the church, that we speak to our society fluent washing machine. People don't want to get too close to us because of the way we are communicating. But we have a powerful message uh, to say, a powerful message to share. So what is the language of the kingdom? If you put up the next slide there, Sam, please. Uh, the there is a language, there's a powerful message, good news. And what are we going to use as our language? Because Jesus said, as the Father sends me, I send you. And Jesus was called the Word made flesh. And he said, Whenever you did to the, uh, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. When you are looking out, when you're reaching out, when you are the word made flesh here, when you're the light among your society, that's the language. When people find life because you're pointing them to me, that's the language. If you put up the next slide, for me, the language of the kingdom of God is this. It's grace. It's authenticity. In other words, what we do is consistent with what we say. And what we do is not so that we get a wee word in, so that we can, we can always just do that because we get a word in. It's because we love. It's because Christ love compels us to do this thing because we are a, a church for the community. Jesus uh, uh, instructs us how to live, but in his, in his word he also says this, Any, if anyone has a material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. James says, you faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So being a church for the community is this. It's a way of letting our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. It's a way of expressing that although we have hope in the not yet, we still really believe that Jesus came to set the captive free now. And we want to be a church for the community. So what's the plan? Well, the plan is, last slide, you'll be glad to know. We want to be a church that prays for and speaks well of other churches, uh, that people will know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. We want to encourage inter-church prayer. We want to support community and initiatives that are for the community. We want to be all out supporters of the edge. And here's a really important one, and maybe it's for you. We want to have a strategy in place, and we already have put some measures in this, to be a whole church 
whole community engagement. That might be an opportunity for some people here. We want to use the space for grace to that end. And one of the things we really want to do is get involved more with CAP, Christians Against Poverty. CAP have four different hubs, and one of them is the Debt Centre, and it's already in existence in Ballinahinch. We want to also be a CAP Life Skills Centre. I've been talking to some other churches that are involved in this stuff, where we're running courses about how to run life Uh, how to do life on a lower income, how to do healthy life, how to do... And it's not about saying so that I can get a wee word in. It's about trying to say, look, let's support people as they're trying to cope with the troubles of life because we're a church for the community because we are praying God's kingdom come. We don't think it's right that there's debt, there's unemployment. We want to be salt and light in our community. You'll hear more about that a wee bit more next week because I don't have time to say much about it this week. But just to say... Here's a testimony of somebody who was involved with CAP, Christians Against Poverty. This has given me my life back, my husband, my family, my life and my faith. The debt which took me hostage is now gone. We want to be involved with those sort of initiatives. And if you want to volunteer in that, we want to hear from you. Thanks. Thanks, Sally. Thanks, Dave. Still with us? Still with us? Two to go. Um, So, investing significantly in our young people. That verse will be familiar to many of you. Do not, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And it seems to me that in many ways, the young people in Grace Fellowship and indeed young people in other churches in this town have been doing exactly that. They've been setting an example in speech, conduct, love, faith. Uh, The summer mission was an excellent example uh, where we witnessed young people just getting on with it. The God-given mission of um, going outside the walls of the church and engaging people in this community with the message of the gospel. So they just got on with it. They did it, inspired by a bold faith, I would say, and a a unity of purpose. Um, So young people across the churches in this town, they were obedient, they stepped out in faith, and God answered prayers. What a brilliant example. And so as we think about this priority of investing significantly in our young people, Of course we want to do that. I don't think there's anyone here who would question that, who would would argue with that. But it's helpful to ask the question, how might we actually do that? So hopefully there's a few bullet points which will appear there, and I just want to say a couple of things briefly about them. First of all, I think it's about allowing them the space to get on with it. That might seem like a little bit of a a paradox. We're investing in them, but we're just allowing them the space to do it. But that's what we need to do, folks. Um, part Part and parcel, I think, of investing in young people is allowing them the space to get on with it. Yes, we support them as and when they need our help. Um, but these guys are doing a brilliant job. Uh, the guys that are volunteer leaders in youth are doing a fantastic job. And so we say to them, keep going, keep doing it. Uh, we, you know, If you need anything, shout out. But we're releasing you to do what you're gifted at. Space for Grace. Space for Grace is not just for youth. There will be other things happening there. But in terms of the young people in this church... 
Uh, we want you to know that this is your space, so use it as you wish. Take ownership of it. Buildings uh, aren't the be-all and end-all of youth work, but having a good environment definitely helps. So this is very much your space to use. We also want to uh, explore the possibility, the, the, the possibility of employing a youth worker, youth pastor, uh, youth minister, whatever you want to call it. Um, right now, uh, talking to these guys, it doesn't seem like it's, it's an immediate pri priority. It's not something that we need uh, next week, next month, but it's something that we're looking at uh, to the future. It may well be uh, that part of investing in youth means investing in uh, paid staff to help with that. That will have, obviously, budget implications, but uh, it may be something that we want to consider uh, down the line. We want to explore ways of using young people's gifting in church activities. And basically what I think we're saying there is we don't just want this to be a place for 40-somethings to stand and spout things. It needs to be everybody who's involved in it. And that ties into that idea of intergenerational learning, learning from one another. Daniel is 14, he's my son, and I sometimes say to him, Daniel, you have so much to learn. And he does, but it's, it goes both ways. We have so much to learn from each other. So, uh, young people, I think, they just bring a different angle, a different perspective. Sometimes they say, say it like it is. Um, they're often their faith is inspiring to us. So let's look for opportunities to learn from one another. As we talk about investing in youth, we believe that this should include investing in our children, in our under-11s, uh, in, our, in our children's ministry. And we have a really committed team of, of folks who are doing that, who are helping with, with Grace Kids every week and who do stuff during the week in, in their homes. And so we recognize this is a vital part of the building of the body in this place. And we want to continue to look at ways to grow and equip those who are involved in that, who are serving here. Also, we recognize the importance of investing in our young adults. I suppose I'm thinking of roughly the 18 to 25 age group. A, a vital stage of life, a time when you're making decisions about your future, what direction is your life going to go in? And uh, we want this to be a place where you guys and you girls feel part of who we are that this can be your church. That this can be your church home. So, young people... Children and young adults, our heart is to invest in all of you guys. And our prayer, as uh, Paul said to Timothy, is that you would continue to set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Lastly, developing leadership. So, uh, first of all, it may be helpful just to set the context of this um, Remind us that this is his church and, they, and then say something about our structures 
and our staffing and our ministry leaders. So, leadership is a huge topic. Development of leadership is a multi-million pound business. Endless numbers of books have been written on this stuff. So where do we start with it? Uh, Back in March 2014, the body of people that became Grace Fellowship uh, began to meet in Sainfield. And at that stage, we had no appointed leaders, and it was brilliant. Um, We just met together, we worshipped, and we prayed, and we acknowledged that we needed God. As things developed and grew, uh, we recognized the need for a little bit of structure, a little bit of organization and a little bit of decision making and so we had an interim team and then we had our first appointed leadership team and now we've got our, our, our second leadership team in place and of course it's, it's true to say that leadership in grace goes beyond the leadership team uh, we have leaders in various ministries who do an excellent excellent job and then recently we agreed the appointment of an operational team who have started to meet, uh, I think I've met two or three times so far, and they're thinking through how best to organize some of the practical aspects of church life. But also, how can our vision and values be expressed in the various ministries that we have? So I think that's really, really important. It's early days for the operational team, but I think I think that's really significant, and it certainly will take some operational stuff away from the leadership team. And boy, do we need that. I think that's really important. So that's where we're currently at. Uh, So is it the case that leadership in Grace Fellowship is sorted? And uh, the answer is no. Uh, We need to keep developing it. When we meet as leaders, our heartfelt prayer is, Lord, have your way. You are sovereign God. This is your church. And so we want to be faithful to that. Um, and we want to recognize that it's not about any good ideas that we might have. We ultimately want God's way forward in this. So as a leadership team, we have been sensing, and we believe that in some ways this is the start of a new chapter for Grace Fellowship. Now is the time to dig a little bit deeper into that Godward, inward, outward vision. And we believe there's some work to do in terms of developing a leadership structure and a leadership model which can effectively support us in the next stage of the journey. Again, we want to be good stewards of this. Uh, We believe in the scriptural model of leadership, of servant leadership, which Jesus shows us, John chapter 13, where he washes the disciples' feet. But we recognize this as his church. We're also open to learning from other churches. We've had some really helpful conversations with Emmanuel Church in Lurgan, who are probably further down the road than us in terms of being around for 10 or 15 years and what what are the things that they've been learning about how to structure their leadership and how to make uh, decisions. So that's been really helpful. But essentially we're asking, how can we ensure that our governance and leadership model and structures uh, continue to develop so that we can be part of building his kingdom in this uh, community? So more on that, I think, in the next few months. Let me say something about staffing. Ali mentioned last week that we're actually quite a large church. There's 175, 200 people maybe. Um, 
And as you know, we've got one part-time employee, 20 hours a week. He's doing a great job. Um, but in order to pursue what we believe are the priorities that God has laid on our hearts, we believe we're going to need to add to the staff team. Now, don't panic. We're not about to make an announcement. It's not going to happen next week or next month. Um, but this is something that's very much on our hearts and on our minds and on our meeting agendas as we, as we think forward. So our intention is to have a, a meeting of members in November time at which we will be proposing a budget for next year. Uh, and as part of that, we'd want to update you just where we're at in terms of staffing considerations. So I imagine we'll send out an, an email in the near future just to uh, clarify the date of that November meeting. So keep an eye out uh, for that one. Finally, ministry leaders. One of the, I believe, life-giving aspects of this place is that there's so many who are involved in serving in various ministries. And we need, to keep, we need to keep that going. So part of the vision is to provide training and development opportunities for current leaders. Uh, we recognize we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. There's loads of good resources and courses out there that we can, that we can tap into. But we want to be proactive about that. And uh, the end goal here isn't to have a slick, kind of well-oiled machine. But we do want to do things well. But this is about developing and releasing gifting uh, for the building of his body in this place and for the building of his kingdom beyond these walls. So uh, leadership isn't completely sorted. It's ongoing. It's developing. Our model and structure may need to, may need to adapt to the stage of development that we're at as a body. We'll need to consider staffing requirements and it's our heart to equip and release those who are currently serving as elders, as leaders in the various ministries. We're going to worship, and then I'm just going to uh, say something towards the end. Is there some work to do in terms of translating words on a screen into reality, into action? Yep. Does it mean that everything we've done up until now gets scrapped? Nope. Do we want to take over your life with activity every night of the week? Please, Lord, no. Will investing in these priorities have some financial implications? Yes, I believe it will. But here's the thing. We are excited by the prospect of what the Lord wants to do in us and through us. This I believe, isn't just a bunch of good ideas, but we do believe the Lord has led us to these as we've reflected and talked and prayed and I believe discerned what he has for us. So we do hope that it's, it's a vision that inspires and I'd love each of you to be thinking, what part can I play? What does it mean for me to be on board with those priorities? In what way can I serve? We also recognize there's been a fair bit of information shared uh, over the last couple of weeks. So please, we want you to feel free to take the time to digest it, to chew over it, to think it through, to pray over it, to talk about it in your small groups and to communicate with us.
to let us know what you think and to share your thoughts via email or talk to us. Um, and we've said this before, but it's a good place to, to, to finish and to remind ourselves that this is his church and we don't just want to come up with a bunch of good ideas. We want to seek his face. Uh, we want to recognize what he's doing uh, in our church body, in our community, beyond this island in the world that he is sovereign over. So let's pray. Lord, would you lead us forward? Lord, would you have your way among us? You are faithful forever, perfect in love. Your sovereign God, thank you that your ways are perfect. We worship you for you alone are worthy. That's us for this morning. Um, remember, if you want to have a look at Space for Grace, if you haven't seen it, you want to, it'll be open from Grant's just about to leave, to open it up. Um, so you can go and have a look at it um, for the next half hour or so. Thanks, folks.